General Robert E. Lee during the Battle of Fredericksburg on December, from December 11th to 15th, 1862, is to have famously said to his General Longstreet, quote, It is well that war is so terrible. Otherwise, we would grow too fond of it, unquote. And perhaps he's saying these words, he said those words as he was looking out as bombs were bursting and shells were flying around and rifle bullets were being fired and men were dying. In that moment he knew that no, war was nothing to be proud of or embellished in, but ultimately it was to be repulsed by all who waged it. And while those, and I don't know if that's any of you this morning, who have been involved in combat, never really want to see it again, it's not their experience. The reality is that for us, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are engaged in a war every day. And that war is not fought on battlefields, over territory, or for reward. It is a spiritual war that has eternal consequences. And whether you like it or not, we are all combatants in this war. Some of us are on God's side. That's what we'll be talking to this morning. But some of us are on the other side. And we'll address you as well. So if you're on God's side this morning, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's been a time where you confessed that you were a sinner there was no way you were getting to God apart from the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you. You received his free gift of salvation. So as combatants in this war, you and I must persistently contend in spiritual combat. You and I must persistently contend in spiritual combat. Now some of you are saying, well, pastor, I'm not fit for combat. Look at me. Well, that's not what I want to draw your attention to. I want you to draw your attention to three truths here that will help us to persistently contend in spirit, this spiritual fight. The first one that comes from verse 10 is this, that God's strength is essential. God's strength is essential. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of of his might. Paul is, is winding down his discussion here in the book of Ephesians. He is using that word finally. We might say in conclusion or wrapping things up. And, and Paul, in some sense of the word, is a true Baptist because he's saying finally, and then he's got about three or more, four things to say before he's done. Don't worry, I don't do that. Or maybe I do. I don't know. Um, so he's bringing it to a close. He's saying, finally, my brother, and finally, brothers, here, here's what some final things I have to say. The ability to battle in spiritual warfare comes from God alone. Notice what he says, be strong in the Lord. The word be strong here means to have the ability to function or do something. And the whole sentence, the whole word is constructed to show that there is an external source that gives this strength. It doesn't come from you it comes from outside of you. And Paul uses the command form, the imperative form here, to reinforce the necessity of our allowing that strength from the outside source to come in and help us be strong. Now why does Paul need to do this? 
I think we can say that it's tempting for us to trust in ourselves when we do a task, isn't it? Whether we're at work or whether we're uh, at home, when we have something before us, we trust in ourselves most of the time to do that task. But what Paul is doing by using this word in this way is telling us and commanding us to willfully go to Christ and gain the strength we need for the spiritual battle that we face. Isaiah says somewhat of the same thing in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, where Isaiah says, Behold, my God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. God is our strength in the battle. God is our strength in the war, not us. Be strong. Be strong, not in yourself. But be strong in the Lord. So we must repeatedly go to God for that strength. The word in here denotes or means where the strength is found and where it is applied. So we go to God for the strength and he gives it to us. He alone is the strength that we need for the battles that we face. We cannot look to another source. We cannot look to ourselves. We cannot search in another area. It is in Christ alone that we find that strength. For when we look to other resources, we will fail. I don't know about you, but I have a, one of my many faults. Is that when I'm giving struck, my wife is laughing out there because she knows them so well. One of my many faults is that I struggle to follow instructions for assembling something. Okay, how many of you struggle with this? You're, you go to your buy something, you get a lit. She's pointing you out, Terry. I don't know. Okay, you get a plan that they're supposed to give you, right? And you follow them, and it just for me, if it doesn't work out, I get frustrated. I remember my wife and I. One of the very first things we bought as uh, in our early days of our marriage was this TV stand that we had to put together. And, you know, it's one of these things where you can side A goes with side B and, and little, little uh, pin Z is supposed to, And I couldn't figure it out. I was getting so frustrated. Guess who comes along and puts it together for me? Yeah, those things kind of frustrate me, and she's great with them. But when you, when you don't follow the instructions for assembling something, more often times than not, it's not going to turn out well for you, is it? It's not going to turn out the way it's supposed to. Well, the same thing happens in spiritual warfare. When we do not find our strength in God, when we do not go to that resource, we will fail. Our block will look like a square. Because God alone has the strength that we need for the spiritual war that we're in. The strength comes from the powerful might of Christ. Notice, be strong in the Lord. So he is our resource. And what strength does he have? It's the power of his might. So if you look at that phrase, you might say, well, why is Paul saying, and in the power of his might? May I suggest to you that that phrase, in the power of his might, explains what it means to be strong in the Lord. So we're strong in the Lord as a person, but we are drawing from his resources of strength. The word power here means to the ability to exhibit or 
possess residential strength. The idea is to strength reside in oneself. So you have, uh, if any of you at one point in time have ever worked out with dumbbells and barbells and stuff like that, you have to have the strength in you to lift that particular weight, don't you? And that strength resides in you. And as you work with those uh, different methods, you become stronger and your, your strength gets increased. So that's the word power, it's strength residing in a person. The word might here means the ability to function effectively. So it's the strength coming from inside a person, but the ability also to display that strength. So what's Paul saying? Paul is saying God has the power available to help us in our spiritual battles. God is never weak, nor does he run out of the strength that is needed in the fight. We can look at this in chapter 1 of Ephesians in verses 19 through 20 in Paul's great prayer. Where he kind of uses the idea of the word power and he says in verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That same power that raised Christ from the dead, that works in our behalf, is the same power that helps us in our spiritual battles. And that belongs to Christ. The power of His might. Not ours, but His. And He has the right to express that strength, that power. And He does it through us, and He empowers us in our spiritual battles. So that leads me to ask this question this morning. Are you trusting in yourself or Christ for strength to fight your spiritual battles? You know, you may be fighting against temptation to be proud, a temptation to lust, perhaps, a temptation to be greedy or selfish. Those are spiritual battles that we all face. And so when you enter into that warfare, whether it be on a moment-by-moment basis or every day or every week, whatever it might be for you, are you trusting in the all-sufficient strength of Christ to help you win that battle? Because if you and I trust in something outside of ourselves, we will win. But if we trust in ourselves or any other resource, we will always fail. We need to be strong for the spiritual battle in the Lord. Our strength needs to come from Him, not from any other resource. There are many Christians today who are looking to self-help books and gurus and such, trying to find some sort of key to overcoming the spiritual temptations that they have. I remember talking to, a, to a, a, this was several years ago, witnessing to a man on a plane ride back from Pennsylvania and he was struggling as he was as newly married, just trying to be pure in his marriage, having failed in that area. And he was trying to read this book that his uh, Catholic priest had recommended to him. And he was trying to win that battle when all he needed to do was trust in Christ and get the strength that he needed for that. We're always in battles every day, every one of us. Unbelievers and believers. And unbelievers, if you're an unbeliever this morning, you're always failing. You're never winning. Satan has a hold of you and, and he will always make sure you fail. But we as believers, we're, we're, we have the ability to have victory, amen? We can have victory. We can have victory over sin. But are we trusting in Christ or in ourselves for that victory? 
Because if we do not trust in Christ for that victory, we will not have it. So who are you trusting in this morning? Not only is God strength essential, no, secondly with me, that God's equipment is sufficient. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Probably memorize this verse in Sunday school and VBS and such, but what does it really mean? Well, it means that we are commanded to put on God's equipment. The word put on means to just to put on, put on something on yourself. You know, uh, it was used in the New Testament to refer to putting on clothes, you know, dressing oneself. The construction of the grammar here emphasizes responsibility. You know, when you, when you got up this morning, your clothes didn't put themselves on you. You had to take initiative and a responsibility to get dressed. The same idea is here. And the imperative for the command form here of the word to put on urges us to respond. You know, when, when, we, when we enter into the battle, when a soldier enters into the battle, he has to be able to respond to whatever situation he faces. And he has to make the choice to put on his equipment to get out there into battle. He doesn't just automatically wait for it to come. It has to be able to function, the two of them together, and he has to be willing to put it on. Same way for us. We have to be willing to put on God's equipment every day and be willing to do so. You know, the illustration I might use as a tool, whether it be a garden tool, whether it be a drill or driver or just a, just a hammer, that tool is useless in your shed unless you use it, right? You can't pound a nail into a wall unless you have a hammer. Your fist won't work. Your hand will not work. And you, by thinking about that hammer in your shed, will not get the job done. You have to go and physically take it up and use it. We have to go physically, spiritually speaking, take up God's equipment and use it. It is there for us to use, right? It's not like there's some abstract theoretical thing that's just floating out there. We have God's equipment to use. Let's use it. Notice also that Paul says here, not only are we to use to put on God's equipment, God's equipment is more than able to march into battle. Put on the whole armor of God. That word whole armor means the complete equipment of a heavily armed soldier. So Paul is using what he knows in his context of a heavily armed Roman soldier. It's the armor that, that he used to fight his battles whenever you march into war. So what Paul wants us to do is to picture a fully armed soldier, whether ancient or modern, marching into battle, and not a poorly equipped warrior who has just a few weapons. So whatever image you want to draw in your mind, Paul wants us to, to view the, God's equipment as complete, able to fight and walk into the battle. And it's the equipment that comes from God. That, that The phrase of God means the source. It's not equipment that comes from us or the church. It's the whole armor, the whole equipment of God. And that alone is sufficient for victory, right? 
God is victorious in all that he does, and he, he provides the equipment. God does not poorly equip his children. He has more than adequate resources to fight the spiritual battle, so why aren't we using them? Right? Too many times we trust in our own tools, our own methods, our own ways of victory. And all we have to do is pick up God's armor. That alone assures victory. That alone ensures success. He has the resources to help us fight. Notice also that the equipment has a purpose to resist the trickery of the devil, that you may be able. That, word, that phrase means to possess the capability, whether per, through personal or external factors, for experiencing or doing something. Though, in other words, the ability to stand in the spiritual battle does not come from the believer. Without God, he fails. That you may be able. So it's dependent upon the whole armor of God. What does that word stand mean? It means to resist. It's not merely just solid footing but it's the ability to stand and resist whatever comes your way. How many ever played football in high school? Anybody play football in high school? Okay, I did not, um, but I, I played soccer. But on a football team, you have offense and defense, right? And what is the offensive line's job to do? It is to resist the defense that's coming to get the quarterback and the ball. So you're blocking with your hands, you're holding illegally. You're trying to resist, right? You're standing against the defense that's coming at your quarterback. Well, that's the idea, is to resist. And what are we resisting? We're resisting the wiles. The word wiles here means scheming or crafting. The word in, the word in um, Greek is where we get our English word, Methods. So it's the methods, it's the schemes of the devil. And that word was related, uh, the related word to that, the related verb, was used often in Paul's day to ha- for handling something according to plan. So, so devising a method, or a plan, or a scheme for collecting taxes. It could also be with negative over- overtones. So there was a positive to it, so there was a, it was used to describe you know, planning for collecting taxes, or there was a negative. It described cunning or scheming. So what is, what is Paul saying? We are to stand and resist against the schemes of the devil. Why? Because the devil is always out to trip up those who trust in Christ. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So whether it be him or one of his demons, Satan desires that you... You, your downfall. Satan desires your downfall and will do whatever he ta- it takes to make it happen. He's always against you. He's always looking to trip you up. And that leads me to ask this question. Do you take Satan seriously? Satan hates you. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. Satan hates you. He wants nothing to do with you. He has nothing but evil planned for you. He's always looking to trip you up and to make you fall in your personal life. So are you taking him seriously? Too many Christians in need our world make fun of Satan, make light of Satan. He's just this guy with, with a, a pitchfork and horns coming out of his head. No, he's much more than that. 
The Bible describes him as, as one who is able to disguise himself as an angel of light. And he seeks your downfall. Are you taking him seriously? Do you realize he's out to get you? He may not have your soul, but he can have your testimony. He can have your impact on others if he succeeds. So we all need to take him seriously. I need to take him seriously. He wants my downfall. And if you're, a, you're an unbeliever this morning, again, you, you've not come to faith in Christ, Satan already has you. He already has your life. He's already, he's already uh, plotting your downfall. He's already working towards that end. He's trying to make sure you're continually a part of his kingdom. And you need to take him seriously. You need to realize that he has you and the only way you can be free of him is through the power of Jesus Christ. Notice also, please, with me, that the equipment has a reason behind it. So there's a purpose, there's a reason. The reason is spiritual warfare is real. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Spiritual warfare is real. The word for here indicates the reason for the equipment. Okay, and then he lists several things here. But first, before I get into this description, I, I want to say this. Too many believers do not take spiritual warfare seriously. It is a real thing. And maybe I can describe it in my own personal example. Many of you know, my wife and I got married almost four years ago. Uh, moved down to Iowa and uh, started to just kind of go through life down there and found a job working for FedEx Express as a courier part-time. And that was in, uh, and we got married in 2017 into 2018. Well, in May of 2018, for whatever reason, until about November of 2018, God became silent in my life. Not that he wasn't there, he was. But my connection with him my, yeah, and I really don't know how to describe it, became somewhat dark. So from that time, from about May 2018, there were several circumstances that were going on. I came under heavy spiritual attack. And the best way that I can describe it was it felt like my mind and my life were, were this fortress and there, Satan and his demons were continually throwing temptations at it and temptations that I that I would not be able to even describe to you this morning they were really bad and I, I just felt it so heavily when I would be driving my delivery truck and just being tempted to take God's name in vain and to just cry out in anger and and wrestle with God and it kept on going and going, and I'd be in church, and I'd be worshiping God, but there would always be this temptation just hanging around the corner. And even as I started working for faith and traveling for them, that, that temptation got really bad, even to the point that I remember messaging one of my friends, who's <clears throat> a missionary overseas, asking him to pray for me. I'm saying, John, it's really bad. There's some bad stuff that's going on. 
And that made me realize in that moment even more solidly that spiritual warfare is real. And, and maybe you've not gone through that, and I hope, you don't, I hope you don't. But don't take it lightly. Spiritual warfare is real. The devil is out for you, and you need to engage in that combat. Notice several words that he uses here. He says, wrestle. That means to engage in an athletic contest. One of the commentators says this, an athletic image, is an, uh, where wrestle is an athletic image related to wrestling and characterizes the nature of battle when, when words for warfare. So the idea is it's, it's wrestling, warfare. Notice Paul said we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood means, means uh, the humanity side of things. So he says our warfare is not physical. It's not against an ideology, a political system, or an institution. It's spiritual. And may I stop here just for a minute and say, it is sad when we as believers are more willing to fight about politics and preferences rather than engage in the spiritual fight that goes on in our own lives. There are many believers today, and it's sad, and people that I, I know, people that you know, are willing to put up a fight over things that in the long run don't matter rather than fight the spiritual fight in their own lives and help others to do the same in their own lives. And may I encourage you this morning to turn your efforts not towards a political party, a government, an institution. Turn your efforts to fighting the good fight of faith and the spiritual battle. Jude 3 says this, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered for the saints. Jude says, don't, he doesn't say, fight for the truth in your government. Fight for the truth in a particular area. That's, those things are not wrong. He says, he says, contend for the faith. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Our battle is not physical. It is spiritual. And these spiritual powers are beyond our comprehension. The word principalities here means uh, describes an authority figure who has, initiates activity or process. So we might use this, Paul might use this term to describe a king or a mayor or a governor. But here it's, it's a higher power, it's a spiritual power. So we have these principalities against powers. These powers are, the word means to command, the right to control or command. So the emphasis here is on the authority wielded by a leader. And both these words refer to demonic power. Going back to chapter 3 of Ephesians and verse 10, it says this, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So it's, it's, it's demonic power. It's powers of this world. Word rulers here, rulers of the darkness of this age. The, the word means world ruler. And so in context here, what Paul is doing, he, he's drawing on a word that was used to describe uh, the Greco-Roman and Jewish folk beliefs. 
Okay, so he was using a word that described like Zeus and these other characters of folklore and myth. And he's using that term to describe the spiritual power of Satan and his demons. So this is not physical power, this is spiritual power. There, there are, are demons and, and Satan himself really who are ruling. They rule the darkness of this world. So our spiritual battle is against them, they are against us. And also it's spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So that word spiritual host refers to just spiritual forces. And Paul is using this word to refer to evil spiritual forces. And these forces are found in the heavens. It's in the spiritual realm. It's in the area where we cannot see. You know, Daniel chapter 10, which I read this morning, describes that battle a little bit when he says, talks about the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposing him. So that spiritual warfare between those two beings for 21 days happened in the heavens. And we don't all know what that looks like, but eventually it had to be that Michael came and helped that angel to get to Daniel. This is the battle that we fight against the enemies that we fight and who fight against us. So I'm asking you a question this morning. Are you using God's equipment in your struggle against Satan? God has given you complete equipment, the whole armor of God. So again, why aren't we using it? That equipment is more than sufficient, is more than capable for us to be in the battle. To resist. Are we using it? And notice with me, and I failed to mention this earlier, but I'll mention it here. Resist the schemes of the devil to stand, not fight against him. Okay? We are never commanded in Scripture to fight against Satan. Do you realize that? We're never commanded to do that. We're commanded to resist him to fight against his attacks that come our way, but we're never commanded to go on the offense against him. Guess whose job that is? It's God's. That's not our job. There, there, there are churches and organizations today who, who encourage to just take Satan down and fight against Satan. You know, take your equipment and go fight against Satan. No, we're supposed to resist him. God will take care of Satan. Amen? Yeah, God takes care of Satan. Satan is stronger than we could ever we ever give him credit for. And he's more far more cunning and deceitful than we could ever imagine. So our resources, our time, our strength is better set in resisting him and never fighting him because when we fight against him, when we try that, we always lose. So we're supposed to use God's equipment to resist him. Are you doing that? Are you using the equipment given to you to you to resist? Satan. Thirdly, and finally, this last truth I want us to be reminded of as we, we fight the spiritual fight, we engage in spiritual combat, is this, that God's equipment ensures victory. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We cannot neglect the equipment we cannot just ignore it. The word wherefore kind of reminds us it's, a, it's necessary. Without the equipment, we fail. 
The battle is already lost. If you and I get up in the morning and we are not equipping ourselves for the spiritual struggle ahead for the day, we've already lost. We're not going to win. We're not going to succeed. Because spiritual warfare goes on every day and we need to be prepared for it every day. The equipment is necessary for the battle. The word take up here means it's, a, it's another command form here. Paul is using it here to take up in order to carry. So he's, Paul is using this word to remind us of the need to use the equipment God has provided. We have access for it. We, have, we, have, we, we can put it on, right? But we need to use it. We need to take it up and carry it with us into the spiritual battle. It's useless if it's just left off to the side. The full equipment of God is available. We just need to use it and don't forget it. You know, the, the, the saying goes, and, and maybe it's not a saying, but a good carpenter never forgets his tools. A good tradesman never forgets his tools. My construction job before moving up here, if I forgot my tools, I wasn't going to be successful. I wasn't going to be of very much help in getting the job done if I didn't use the tools. So are you using the tools? Are you taking up God's armor every day? Not forgetting it. The equipment also allows for a powerful response to spiritual warfare every day. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Again, the, the you may be able... Ability comes from an outside source. So our ability to resist doesn't come from us, it comes from Christ. The word withstand here is, is to, again, uh, refers to resisting to power. In the, in the ancient literature and in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word was used to withstand attackers. You know, they, they're coming at you. You put up your armor to resist them. And here you're resisting the spiritual attacks of the enemy. In the evil day. There, there are many opinions about this verse. What does this mean? Does it, does it mean in the future evil day? Does it mean in the evil day that you're currently in? Right? There, there, there's different ways to see it. I think it's best to see this phrase in the evil day as a description of the evil times that we are in until Jesus comes. We're in evil days, right? We're in evil times. And that's been so since Jesus left. And that will not cease until he comes back. So that's the reminder there that we are an evil, we're, we're to resist in our evil days. But it also alerts us to the devil's extraordinary evil schemes that are leveled against us during these evil times. Yes, we live in evil days, but guess what? There is one who is more, than, more evil who is working against us. So evil upon evil. We're living in bad days. We're living in evil times. And there is an evil enemy who is trying to trip us up. And so we need to resist. Standing firm in our faith. Please also see that the nature of the spiritual warfare requires us to do everything possible to be ready. And having done all, to stand. That phrase, having done all, means to bring about a result by doing something. So the emphasis is on the result. Or excuse me, the emphasis is on doing something with the end goal of bringing about a result. And here the end, the end result is being ready. 
And this word also is constructed to show responsibility. We have a responsibility to defend ourselves in spiritual warfare. And it's our responsibility to be ready. We have to do everything possible to be ready to fight in the spiritual war, for we cannot do it apart from ourselves. But we still have the responsibility to take up the armor of God, to put it on, and to use it. There's still responsibility on our parts. We need to do all. We, we need to have that when we walk into the day. Whether it be, it was five minutes ago, we were up, we were in our bed, and we, all of a sudden our alarm woke us up, and we're getting ready for the day. When we're walking out the door, we're meeting friends and coworkers, we're working, we're, we're planning, we're playing, whatever it might be we have to do for the day, we should walk out being ready, having done all to be ready. Because Satan is going to want to trip us up at any point in time. And we need to walk out having done all to resist him. To stand. So that the goal of the preparation, the goal of the time is spent preparing for the battle is to resist the attacks that come. Satan never stops attacking us. Do you realize that? He never stops. He never gives up. He wants us to fall. And so should we never stop preparing for those attacks. There should never be a day where we're not prepared for what he throws our way. And that leads me to ask this question, the point of application. Do you see how critical God's equipment is for your spiritual victory? You will not succeed in the spiritual battle unless you use God's equipment. It is critical it is your very life. Are you using it? Or are you ignoring it? Are you walking out for the day to go to work, to go to coffee with friends, to, for me as a dad, interact with my kids? Am I walking out? Are you walking out prepared? Or are you forgetting a few things? And we'll talk about the whole armor of God next week. But are you walking up prepared? Are you taking the helmet of salvation, putting on the, 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 the shoes of the gospel of peace and all those different things? Are you, are you prepared? It, it, it doesn't need to take long. Sometimes for us, you know, it's 15 minutes. We've got 15 minutes. Whatever time it takes, are you walking out prepared to face the attacks of someone, the evil one, who hates you and wants your destruction? God's equipment is critical for spiritual victory, are you trusting in what he has provided for you? Physical war is terrible. Spiritual warfare is even worse. Yet it's a reality for all of us, unbeliever and believer. And if you're an unbeliever, again, you're on the other side. Satan already has you. He care less about you. You're his child. You, you will never succeed, never have victory because you're underneath his kingdom. And for those of us who believe we are intensely targeted by, by the, the evil one, the Satan who wants us to fail. He wants us to fall. But yet God has given us the resources we need to fight, right? God has not left us alone in the battle. God has given us the equipment to fight. We just need to use it. 
And how do we use, how do we, how do we remind ourselves to apples to be active in that battle? Number one, God's strength is essential. You cannot succeed without Him. God's equipment is sufficient. It is more than able to meet the attacks of the devil. We just need to put it on. And God's equipment ensures victory. When we put on the armor of God, we're able to stand against. We're able to fight against, though intense they may be, the spiritual attacks of our enemy. So in the, as you and I start another week of spiritual warfare, may we use and be reminded of these truths. May these truths encourage us to pick up our equipment and resist.